We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a game. Going to overtime. Welcome to the Overtime Line. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, it's finally over. It's finally over. How are you doing? We survived another James Jones trade deadline. Right. uh, By the skin of our teeth, but we did survive. So congratulations to everyone listening. Yeah. I mean, I guess really the only prediction we made, or at least that I made, was that Jalen Smith would no longer be on the roster. And I guess that came true. Beyond that, I don't know that we had any idea what was going to happen here. I think everybody kind of threw around the idea of Tory Craig coming back, Scory Tory's back. Uh, but Aaron Holiday, that was a massive surprise, right? Total, total surprise. And uh, let's just start with the Craig thing because it's funny. I mean, it's just funny, man. <laughs> I, when I made a video for our YouTube channel a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, players, five players that the Sun should target or whatever. And I basically threw out the regular names, and I came up with four regular names. Eric Gordon, we can touch on him at some point, was one of them. But at the end, I was like, you know what? I should throw Tory Craig in here. And I think Tory Craig was the one guy who I even said in the video, like, Craig's skill set is obvious. Every Suns fan knows already what he can do. But this is the one that I think is definitely not going to happen just because <laughs> if the Suns wanted him so bad, they could have just re-signed him. Yeah. And lo and behold, here we fucking go. James yeah. Jones is... is is a man who really, really likes his continuity. If you haven't, if you didn't know by now, it's kind of a buzzword around these parts for a reason. Yeah, and the trade ended up being Jalen Smith and a second-round pick for Torrey Craig. If those uh, of you listening have not seen it yet, so no more Jalen Smith, and James Jones, once again, does not have to draft a player. He gives up the idea of (laughs) drafting a player, which he clearly hates to do. And... Now, Tory Craig is back. It's almost like the Suns just told him at the beginning of free agency, hey, go get your money somewhere else and we'll get you back in the middle of the season. The Suns didn't have the ability uh, to sign him to the contract that he's signed in Indiana. That's why he was gone. The fit in Indiana never made sense. Like The idea of Tory Craig's skill set is that it works the best on a contender in a small role on a contender. 
So it never quite worked in Indiana. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere to get money. He's not made a lot of money in his career up to this point. He went somewhere to get money with the understanding that he could be moved at some point later in the year. Lo and behold, back in Phoenix, which makes sense for him, considering if you look at his Twitter account, he hasn't even tweeted or done anything since he was in Phoenix. It looks like he's still on Phoenix on Twitter, and he's back here. It's it's really a nice situation, I think. The guys in the locker room clearly love him. When they played Indiana recently, you could see Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges talking to him before and after the game, smiling, laughing. We know he knows the playbook. He's going to step right in and understand what he can do. And, you know, this could spell the end for Ish Wainwright. It probably does because he's like a better Ish Wainwright. Uh, but, yeah, now the Suns have a small ball five that they can work with. Like that small ball five worked when they uh, employed it last season, and I think it could work even better this season. To briefly expand on the Ish Wainwright point, because we've made it in the past, Ish being on a two-way contract um, is not eligible for playoff basketball until the Suns, or unless the Suns would be able to convert his two-way contract to a full roster spot, which means they would have to waive someone. Now that Craig right. is on the roster, I think that is unlikely to happen. So basically, I think what the Suns are saying here is, hey, we needed a small ball five. We liked what we saw in that game from Ish. Remember that game a couple weeks ago where he led a comeback? I, I don't want to say... I mean, he didn't lead a comeback, but he played small ball five in that game against the Spurs. For the he entire, played 15 minutes straight. Yeah, for the for the entire fourth quarter. I mean, defensively, maybe you could say he kind of led them in, in some ways. I don't know if that would be hyperbolic, but the point is they looked at that film. They said, hey, we need an option like that. We like that, but maybe not exactly a Wayne Wright. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Tory's an upgrade in, in any way. I don't even know what to say here because it's like there's no scouting to do. You guys know who Tory Craig is after you yeah. all watched the playoffs last year. He's the exact same player. One important detail here, by the way, is that Tory did sign not a one year contract with the Pacers, but a two year mm -hmm. contract, which means he is under contract uh, next season as well for the Phoenix Suns. It's a team option, I believe. I'm looking at that's interesting because I'm looking at his basketball reference page and it does not denote that it's a team option. It seems to say that it's guaranteed here, but I haven't confirmed that, so it has to exist somewhere on the internet. Basketball reference is wrong about contracts sometimes, so I'll have to figure it out. It's possible that it's not a team option. Yeah. It's really nice to get him back, and, and look, Jalen Smith, I'm happy for him as well. It seems like he's staying in Indiana. That's the last report by Jake Fisher was that Jalen Smith is staying in Indiana. I'm not sure if they have minutes for him. I, I haven't really caught up with what the rosters are in the NBA right now, but I hope they have minutes for him at center so that he can play the position that he clearly wants to play and the Suns refused to play him at unless there were injuries because uh, that could be good for his career going forward, but he'll be a free agent at the end of this year and he'll have his ability if he's viewed as an NBA player by the rest of the league, he'll have the ability to pick his next team, which is good for him assuming just he has real, options real quick Spotrack, i'm just checking a second source also has him as as a fully guaranteed deal so i so, think yeah. Tor yeah tory craig's a phoenix sun next season as well he's a phoenix sun next season and he's look i, I hate to say it right now he just got him but that's five million dollars you can use in a trade later too <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, the suns right. need pieces like that if they have to make trades in the future and that's an expiring contract for five million dollars next year if they need to make a trade next year or as early as this offseason coming up. So it's not a bad thing for him to be signed in the future as well. Plus, the Suns just need wing depth. They don't have another guy outside of Cameron Johnson coming off the bench that could legitimately play in games against good teams. Torrey Craig just fits right into that. I'm not sure how he's been shooting lately. Do you have his... 
okay. the year, which is not great. And this was one of the things that I think is Suns fans should remember, frankly. I mean, he played fewer minutes in the playoffs for a reason, and you can specifically remember the way that teams guarded Torrey Craig in the playoffs, which is to say that they left him open uh, in a way that they do not guard Jay, Grou- uh, Jay Crowder and certainly not Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. So that's going to continue to be a problem if you have Torrey on the court for long mm-hmm. stretches of time. I mean, he just needs to shoot. He shot 37% as a son in the regular season. In the playoffs, he shot 41%. Yeah. Uh, but again, his minutes went down to only 12 minutes per game. And that's really I, kind of what I think you're looking at here. You're looking at Torrey once again filling the ninth man type rotation role where he plays yeah. 10 to 12 minutes as a filler in your in your playoff spot. Maybe he can log more minutes if there's an injury. Obviously, he's a nice depth piece to have, but the yeah. goal is not for him to be logging heavy minutes uh, or having a heavy volume of, of shots taken from anywhere on the floor, really. Yeah, and, and look, he shot 33% in Indiana. The 37-ish percent that he shot in Phoenix last season when he was with Phoenix was the best stretch of his career, which I don't think is a coincidence. I think you just get good shots on the Suns. The Suns work very well as a team and have the best point, maybe the best point guard of all time (laughs) setting guys up. So he's probably going to get better shots and shoot better in Phoenix. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But one of the other things that I I just want to remind people about him and and what he's going to bring to this team is rebounding. I think that's like the biggest thing as far as things that other guys on the team currently are not as good at. I say this after Jay Crowder had like a 0.14 rebound game or whatever, (laughs) but, but uh, Torrey Craig is just a, he's good at hunting the ball down on offensive rebounds or on defensive rebounds and having another guy like that when the Suns are getting killed on the boards, it's nice to have an option to put either small ball center, right? They don't want to get killed if they're playing small or at that power forward position where you can get in there, help DeAndre and help JaVale McGee out, be another guy that can get that ball and even dribble it up the court occasionally, which he did do last season. For sure. Um, Do you want to move on to the other guy? Yeah, the other guy, (laughs) Uh, Aaron Holiday. This was a surprise. Uh, James Jones casually mentioned in talking to the media after practice recently that Dario Saric will not return this season. Dario Saric, by the way, still on the team next year which is kind of cool. I posted some highlights of him on Twitter and it did make me miss what he brought to this team. But with Dario Saric not returning for this season, that means the Suns were able to apply for a disabled player exception, which they did at some point in the past, something we didn't cover on this podcast because we didn't know about it. And that means that the Suns had a little extra cap space that they could bring a player onto the team. And that's what they did with Aaron Holiday. They traded nothing, which is kind of surprising from a Wizards perspective. I guess, but they traded nothing cash essentially, which is what they did for Tory Craig last year for Aaron holiday, who is a six foot guard, one of the brothers of the holiday brothers. And you know, it does. My first thought when I heard this is it seems like a general manager trading for a player who played really well against his team recently because Aaron holiday was pretty good against the Suns The last time they played against the wizards but the Suns need a backup point guard, and, and Alfred Payton's not really been that. So I guess that's what it is. What do you think? Oh, it's weird. I'm looking at it from the Wizards' perspective now real quick, and I'm like, so they traded Dinwiddie too, mm-hmm. right? So they got rid of Aaron Holiday. He was a, a I don't want to say a huge minutes eater, but getting 16 minutes per game, he was like one of their main backups. They traded Dinwiddie, who was their starting point guard. They brought in Ish Smith in the Montrez Harrell trade. Yeah. But Beal's out for the season, too. Beal's out for the season. So what's what's their guard rotation now? It's Ish Smith, 
KCP and uh, yeah. Raul Neto, maybe? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really, really precarious situation. Really in Washington small. Now. So I don't really get it. I don't really get it from their perspective. Um, now, to be honest about the Suns, yeah. I, I can talk myself into this, but that doesn't mean I get it. You yeah. know what I mean? First of all, I'm glad that the Suns are actually... I mean, James Jones never told a damn soul, it seems like, that he was applying for that DPE to use in mm-hmm. Dario Sharch's mm-hmm. absence. Uh, because this shocked everyone at the time. When it first broke, everyone was like, oh, there's got to be, you know, maybe it's a three-team trade. We had a huge spaces yeah. going on in Twitter, which shout out to any of you because there were a ton of you I know who were hanging out in that. So if any of you who are listening now were in that as well, that was a lot of fun. But we were saying at the time... It's got to be a three-team trade. They have to be trying to create roster spots somehow. It's going to be a two-for-one. Maybe it's a three-for-two. And in the end, no, it's just Aaron Holiday just comes in to replace Dario Saric. And the Suns don't need to create... Or, sorry, the Suns do need to create a roster spot, which, by the way, is the other thing that we are yeah. still waiting on. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But as for what Holiday actually does in the Suns' rotation, I'm not sure. Do you have do you have initial thoughts on that before I go any further? Because I can I can like spout off some stats, but I think the main my first thought was we're probably not going to see much of him, but maybe we will. I I don't know if he immediately jumps Alfred Payton or maybe Alfred Payton is cut. You know, maybe there's another yeah. team that's interested in Alfred Payton and the Suns feel comfortable that they're not putting a player out on his ass and that he can just sign on another team. And uh, and then he he jumps that rotation, but I mean right now Cameron Payne's out. We don't know when Cameron Payne's coming back. Alfred Payton, you know he 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 plays point guard, but he doesn't really at least for this team. Uh, you know it's more that responsibility falls more on Devin Booker. Alfred Payton at at most is a secondary or maybe even at times a third option as far as ball handling goes. And maybe they see Aaron Holiday as a better option. Aaron Holiday relatively good at attacking the rim. He's young, by the way. His contract expires at the end of this year. It's his rookie contract. He's only 25 years old. Which, he's by six the way, foot. He's not tall. He's not tall. He's six foot. That makes him a one-positional player. This is not a combo guard. This is a pure point guard. But yeah. uh, important that you mention the fact that he's in the final year of his contract because that was a necessity. It's actually pretty difficult, even if you apply for the DPE, to get someone to come in and fill the spot because they need to be in the final year of their contract as well as make roughly 50% of whoever the player is that you're replacing. There are a lot, there are a decent amount of players in the NBA like that, but there aren't like a ton of NBA players like that. So the Suns uh, pool that they were working with, they needed a guy in the final year of his contract and Aaron Holiday, uh, Aaron Holiday just happened to be that. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody that apparently the wizards were willing to give up on, uh, which they did. And I just, I, I'm a little confused I'll be honest, I don't feel like I have a confident feel for who Aaron Holiday is. I think the only times I really watched the Wizards this season was the last game against the Suns and maybe one or two against the Cleveland Cavaliers at some point this season. But I, I don't really feel like I, I fully grasp exactly what they're going for with this. I would like to know what he's like as a defender, first of all, because if he's a great defender, maybe he can get more minutes than I'm expecting right now. He seems to be an okay shooter, 34% from three so far this season on a not small number of attempts, uh, you know, like not a huge number. Like it's not 30, like Landry um, Shamit out there launching, but yeah, 37% for his career, by the way, over the four years, which uh, is really pretty good. And remember, this is a guy who 
the Suns were interested in when he came for pre-draft workouts in 2018. I distinctly remember he ended up going in the back end of the of the first round. But I do remember that there were reports that the Suns had brought him in for multiple workouts and were interested in him. Now, at the time, Ryan McDonough was sort of calling the shots. But for that year of overlap, James Jones also was technically under the under the tutelage of Ryan McDonough. I don't really know if you'd say that, but he was a part of the organization, right? Yeah. And so it's possible that James Jones really liked him back in 2018 and he just wasn't the one, you know, really with the power to say, okay, we're going to make sure we get this guy. Uh, so I don't know. But uh, regardless, here we are four years later. I would say maybe he's a Peyton upgrade. He's yeah. certainly not a campaign upgrade, and he's certainly not a Landry Shaman upgrade, in my opinion. So you're not really talking about a guy who cracks your top 10 or even top 8 or 9 yeah. playoff rotation. It, it's just it doesn't seem like this is that move. It's great that the Suns got another guard. Uh, because really what the other thing this might say is that the Suns are feeling pretty pessimistic in the short term, the next few weeks about campaigns injury, and they just need another guard to make sure that Chris Paul doesn't have to play 40 minutes per game anymore. Right. In which case, or Alfred Payton gets hurt or something like that. Yeah. Right. In which case Aaron holiday can come in and he can fill in 10, 15 minutes in the gaps. I mean, it's almost like he was one of those COVID replacement guys earlier in the season, a little bit better than that, but you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. for the for the medium term, talking really about his playoff utility, it doesn't feel to me like this is a move that you make so much with that in mind, to be honest. I think the thing that we need to know more than anything else is, is he the type of guy that Monty Williams would allow to marry his daughter? <laughs> because that's the most important thing about this, because we know that's the case with a few of the other guys the Sons of uh, gotten onto and the that, team and, and that lone fact may have saved Landry Shamit's ass today. <laughs> it may have because it let's certainly a, ha- hasn't been his play. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, let's talk about what didn't happen along with uh, some other things that happened around the league. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Sam, the Suns did not trade for Eric Gordon. In fact, nobody did. Nobody (laughs) traded for Eric Gordon at all. Eric Gordon remains a Houston Rocket, which means, uh, I guess, a couple of things. They probably are going to try to trade him in this coming offseason. And also that maybe the Suns were not willing to put a first-round pick. That was the rumors. Maybe that's exactly what kept them from being able to trade for Eric Gordon this kind of sucks. Like when you first heard Tory Craig, it's like, man, if Eric Gordon comes, it really completes the team. They have no gaps in the roster. All guys can play. Ten guys essentially are capable of playing in the playoffs at that point, but not anymore, I'd say. So what were your first thoughts when uh, it's? it appears the Suns were not trading for Eric Gordon? Yeah, I have to be honest and just that I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed again that James Jones loves continuity and that's one thing going for him. He has a ton of conviction in the moves that he's made. But I do think there is a certain stubbornness that would prevent uh, as no-brainer of a move as giving up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon would be. If that was the asking price, that was a no-brainer move on the table for the Phoenix Suns, and they squandered it. That's just the honest truth. And why why it gets me a little bit tight, and on the whole, I thought this was a pretty solid deadline. Craig addresses one need. But why it bothers me, Mike, is because here we are with the Phoenix Suns, and how many times have we been told as Phoenix Suns fans the realities of what it's like to have Robert Sarver as an owner? This is a team that is trying as desperately as possible to shy away from paying the luxury tax. Next year, they're going to have difficult decisions to make that will affect the future flexibility of their roster. Put simply, like they're going to have to choose, possibly, they shouldn't have to, but if they don't want to pay the luxury tax, they're going to have to choose between Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton. They just are. It's yeah. a conversation that Suns fans need to be ready for. If they, if this was Golden State, if this was Los Angeles, a couple other teams around the league, that would be a no-brainer move to pay the luxury tax no matter what it takes and continue trying to put the best team on the floor and get rings. Uh, but we just we cannot be sure of that future as Suns fans. We just can't. So it affects the entire outlook of what this team is going to look like for the next two to four years. Now, why does that affect you know how I feel right now? Obviously, because <laughs> how how I'll put it this way: How many teams in the past fifteen to twenty years do you think go into the All Star break? with the top record in the NBA and are not luxury packs, uh, luxury tax paying teams. Right. I don't have the answer. Me neither. Yeah. I don't have the it's answer. Probably not often. We didn't have, we didn't have time to do the research, but I guarantee if you go back and counted it up, I would be willing to bet that you could count on one hand, the number of teams in the past two decades that are not in the tax. Yeah. At the all-star break. What the Suns have right now is a special group of players and you got to be good like Chris Paul says, or like Chris Paul adopted from Doc Rivers, you got to be good. You also got to be lucky. As a GM, you have to acquire the right talent. You also have to 
hope that you can luck into the right timeline. And when that comes to the financials, that means having the right group of young players together who are still on their rookie contracts that makes it possible to put the best team, the best product on the floor that pleases the, f- the fans, but also placates the owner, in this case, Robert Sarver. Mm-hmm. This is the Suns shot. We don't know if Chris Paul is going to be playing like this next year. We don't know if Chris Paul has another two, three years left. I certainly hope he does. I hope the vegan powers take over. But there was no reason not to go all in and just make another move that solidifies your position at the tippy, tippy, tippy top of the league uh, this mm-hmm. deadline. That's just how I feel. Like if if the if the price was a first round pick, who the fuck cares? Yeah, that's just how I feel. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's I like I ranted a little bit there. It's not that I think this was a disaster. It's just why don't why don't you have a little bit more guts, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 I I'm going to say it. I'll say it again. I think that the I think the Suns just ran out of offense against the Bucks. I think the idea that the Suns need more to defend Giannis, I think it's just a flawed idea because I don't know that that's possible. I think you have to outscore a team like that at some point and getting more offense on the Suns would have been a big help. The Suns for the record, the Suns could have made an Eric Gordon trade now and still been under the luxury tax for this season. That that's something that was possible uh, right now. And if you know, if for example they win the title, maybe they go into next year with the luxury tax. If they do not win the title, then technically Eric Gordon is kind of an expiring deal. They could have got rid of him if it didn't work out. Uh, so there were options, even if they traded for him right now. But I want to cover the idea because I think you guys know how we felt about Eric Gordon. If you don't. No, go back, listen to our last eight episodes <laughs> because we probably talked about Eric Gordon on every single one. But can we briefly touch on the idea that the Suns wanted to hold on to a first round pick? Because I don't see that specific thing as a Robert Sarver decision. That to me sounds like a James Jones decision. And here's my initial read on the idea of holding on to the Suns future first round picks, because the one this off season is going to go to OKC as of right now, as long as they make the playoffs basically. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that specific one. Future picks is another story. Say the Suns, this is just an example. Say the Suns make it to the NBA finals again and lose again, or say they get knocked out at some point before the NBA finals. And they have to consider making a bigger move to help bring this roster whatever they believe they need to continue to be in contention, well, that's what you need first-round picks for. So when you're talking about the Suns holding on to first-round picks right now, I think it's it's an idea of potentially needing to trade for a star in the future, and they don't want to be the one team that could potentially be in the race for an NBA star in the future that does not have the picks to be able to make that trade, a la... The Los Angeles Lakers, that's basically what they are right now. So if they hold on to their picks and they believe they still have a contender and still have a chance to win the NBA Finals this year, well, they could. And right, if they win, they re-sign eight and they bring back the team, they run it back. If they don't win, then they have the opportunity to use first-round picks and DeAndre Ayton or first-round picks and Mikael Bridges or first-round picks and Cameron Johnson or whatever. I know people don't really want to think about this right now, but when you're a general manager, you kind of have to. You but have to consider this kind of thing in the future. Here's why I don't understand that logic, though. I mean, I understand it, but here's why I personally can't connect with it. Because every year in the NBA, the cards reset. The yeah. game resets, right? Guys are going to get healthy again that aren't healthy right now, next right. season. That's just a Kawhi fact. Leonard, yeah. 
We okay. also know if if we take what I said a few minutes ago to to be true, because maybe it's not true. Maybe you get a new owner who's willing to pay the luxury tax. But for now, let's say your owner next year is still Robert Sarver and still not willing to pay the luxury tax. We know other teams, in addition to many of them getting healthy, there are teams out there who are willing to pay the luxury tax, and the yeah. Suns are not. Or maybe it's, the maybe the Warriors are going to trade Kaminga and uh, th- and actually try to make a big move for them. It's possible. It's for sure possible. My point is getting to where you are right now is already so hard. Yeah. And the field is as wide open as it's ever been. Why wouldn't you maximize the chance you have right now? Why are you thinking I, about I agree. This? Why why are you thinking about next year? Why are you conceding That's, that? I it's, genuinely it's wonder I genuinely wonder how much the fact that the Suns are currently the best team in the NBA affected their decision making. I do wonder that because maybe if they weren't, if they were the third seed, they would have made a move to try and be better. But maybe they felt more confident in the fact that they still have these guys who are going to eat up the majority of playoff minutes, the guys on the team. Even if you trade for Eric Gordon, you have to find a way to fit him into your rotation if you're Monty Williams. And maybe they just felt confident with that going into it. And if they weren't in that position, uh, right or not, right? I'm just speculating at this point. But let's talk about the idea that they are the best team in the NBA because other teams made moves. Sure. Let's let's first just mention the Western Conference like let's let me bring up the actual Western Conference standings to actually talk about this. We know the Suns are at the top of the Western Conference, and I guess just from this perspective, the Suns got better, right? Do we both agree for that? Maybe not like in a massive way, but right, the roster has more flexibility to play in different ways now, which makes them better, right? Yeah, I think it's Tory Craig is a clear upgrade over like Ish Wainwright, right? So it's it's a small upgrade, but it's right an upgrade, no doubt. Right, the Warriors second in the conference did nothing. Right, so they're the same team. They're exactly who they are. If the Suns believe they're better than the Warriors now, then after the trade deadline, they should continue to be better than the Warriors in their mind. The Grizzlies did nothing essentially, so they're the they're who they are. They're really good, and we'll see how good they are. The Jazz recently lost a player to a torn ACL in Joe Ingles, and then traded him for players that I don't know. They got worse in the aggregate, right? Who'd they get again? They got. Uh, Who'd they get? <laughs> <laughs> Nwaba, who is, let me... Let they get Wancho and uh, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> they're not better. Let's just say it, that. It, I don't it, believe it they're better. It was not eye-popping names. Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Yes, uh, that's right. not Not eye-poppers there. Not yeah. guys who I really think are going to make a difference. Yeah. The buyout market could still change this, which we'll touch in a second, but that's where they are now. I think they got worse. Ingles was a good player for them. But basically one of their main ball handlers when it comes to running pick and rolls. They lost that. The Mavericks, here's where Oof. it gets interesting. Oof. The Mavericks traded Chris Tapps Porzingis for two massive contracts in Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. And look, I don't know. They 10,000% did not get better. They didn't get better, but did they get worse? I, yeah, at the yeah, very they, least, I think it's kind of a wash. I'm not sure. It might be a wash. I think at best it's a wash. But there's a real chance if you don't believe in the Dinwiddie Doncic fit. And we were talking about this earlier. When has Doncic ever really had a capable ball handler that forced him yeah. to, to to play off the ball in any offensive sense? I, it's, I not, at, it's not something we've seen before, and it's totally worth them experimenting with. Yeah. But it's gonna yeah. I mean, this team, you know, low key, Dallas has been rolling recently in the past couple months. They're up to the fifth seed in the Western Conference, thirty two and twenty three. They're only a couple games behind yeah. the Jazz. This is a huge change for them to make midseason uh, in terms of how they structure their offense, and I, I don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. 
how that works out because I looked at Doncic's uh, off-ball grades on the B-ball index and they were like D's and C's and F's and it wasn't great as far as his off-ball movement. So we'll see if he's capable of working off of Spencer Dinwiddie once he has like a, a player that really, really likes the ball in his hands. Um, by the way, the Wizards blowing that up already this soon. Pretty crazy. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, I don't believe they did anything of note, right? They did not do a single thing as far as They are who they are. They can get better, right? Because they can have players coming back from injury. Jamal yep. Murray. Uh, so that's one team that could get better going forward. We'll see how much of a difference that makes. Timberwolves didn't, didn't really do anything, anything right? Yeah, Clippers, they, we they know the Clippers like got core. better. Clippers so, right, totally Clipp- got better. And they're currently right now in a spot that could play the Suns in the first round. So that is a team that if they get healthier is a threat. Lakers did nothing. Pelicans got better, and they could make the playoffs. I wouldn't mind pay- playing the Pelicans in the first round. Um, and Trailblazers got worse. Kings got, I don't know, maybe slightly better. Like we're looking at this basically and saying – None of the contenders got better, right? They're yeah. really only one other contender in the Warriors, probably. Shout out to the Grizzlies and maybe the Nuggets if Jamal Murray is really, really great when he comes back. Uh, but yeah, the Suns are the only team in the in the Western Conference that got better, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, look, that's the huge upside to not doing anything. It it makes me just think, though, that even more reason to go all in, in my opinion. You know, like I, I just feel like it wouldn't have been close, but I guess they were already confident in their position and certainly... This feels like the lack of moves in the conference is basically everyone else saying, okay, Phoenix, we see you. The first seat is yours. Take it. So it's the yeah. East where things get a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and let's talk, let's talk about them because I think when let's only talk about who we would consider the real contenders here, which the Bucks traded for uh, Serge Ibaka yeah. and they traded, let's see, Dante DiVincenzo and who was the other player? Rodney Hood, right? Yeah. Yeah, and those are two ball handlers that they now lost, and they got somebody who could potentially replace Brooke Lopez if Brooke Lopez is not back this season. If Brooke Lopez is back, then they have a two-man center rotation, potentially injury-prone guys, who are capable of protecting the rim and shooting from the outside, which is, I think, very, very smart when you have a player like Giannis. I think healthy, this team got probably got better, considering Dante DiVincenzo was not playing up to his capabilities so far this season. What do you think? Yeah, Dante was really struggling this year. Shooting percentages were super bad. Um, yeah, ideally it makes him a little better, but so marginally that I don't, I'm, you know, this shouldn't spook anyone. And I think we saw right. like 30 seconds of overreactions when the news first popped on the timeline of, uh, oh, they got Serge Ibaka. And then I think people pretty quickly calmed down over this one. It's not a reason yeah. to panic. I don't want to panic people any further here, but Dragic is going to be bought out. Oh, yeah, and good point. It, it, it appears that Dallas is not going to sign him based on the Spencer Dinwiddie move. They could still, right? If they potentially could play all three of those guys. But see, now wouldn't that be wouldn't that right there make more sense for Phoenix? Sorry, just real quick. Yeah. Then Aaron Holiday, like Dragic. I don't even think Dragic. I don't have love for Dragic like some Suns fans do. I fondly have some memories of Goron. And, and, you know, I don't think he's completely washed, but he's also not a good player. I think you even asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago about how I felt about him. And I basically yeah. just said, meh. I mean, he's on my radar. Yeah. I think he's I think he's fine. I don't think he's a difference maker in the playoffs either. But even him, I think that would have been better than Holiday. I'm, yeah, I'm I just mean, surprised that there was no interest between those two parties, unless it's really that Goran has Phoenix on his blacklist. Like he hates Robert Sarver that much that it was or, a, it was a non-starter. He'd be back. the sixth man on the Bucks, like right now, basically. 
so that puts him in a position to have a significant role. I'm not sure that I, at the very best he'd be competing with campaign for that role on the Suns, and campaign does things a little differently with his ability to change the pace of the game. So I'm not sure that Phoenix was on his radar specifically from the perspective of having a bigger role. But let's talk about the major trade because there's really only two other contenders in my mind. Shout out to the Heat and the Bulls who are very, very good. The Heat could secretly be the best team in the playoffs. So I'm not going to hold them out of it, but they, they didn't do anything significant here. But James Harden was traded from the Nets to the 76ers along with Paul Millsap. Coming back to the Nets was Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Uh, the 76ers now, in a lot of people's minds, become probably the biggest threat to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, along with the Nets, who still have a part-time Kyrie Irving, but now have a player that fits their skill sets pretty well when they're all three playing, I think, totally. in Ben Simmons, who can play small ball five, set screens, handle the ball, push the pace, pass. Like He's kind of a good fit for that team, I think. Both of these teams got better in my mind in that James Harden was just quitting on that team and Ben Simmons had already quit on the 76ers. So at the very least, they got something out of those spots. Uh, what are your thoughts on both of those teams? Yeah, I think it's uh, one of those trades where, I mean, look, they're divisional rivals, so who knows uh, how they feel each feel about the opponent, but they both got better. I mean, this was a good trade for both sides. Uh, ben Simmons is a great fit in Brooklyn, exactly as you were talking about. If they start using him in the small ball five role, kind of like what they were doing with Bruce Brown for a long time, but like kind of just totally on steroids, like just so much better than that. Um, but kind of being able to do the same thing, play make from, from the elbow position, roll hard, um, play defense, and, and, and yeah, just focus on defense and playmaking. His skill set around Kyrie, I mean... I'll put it this way. Everything has to go right for the Nets because the Nets are currently 29 and 25. They're five and a half games back of the first seed in the East and they're running out of time to get right. But if a number of dominoes fall into place and that's Kyrie is once again able to play at home because New York City lifts the vaccine mandate, which is increasingly looking like it's possible. You know, I don't have an inside ear on local politics in New York City or anything, but it certainly feels like something that people are starting to talk about as a possibility. If he could once again be full-time, you're playing Ben Simmons in that role where he fits really well next to the two of them. You get Joe Harris back, and I think the most recent update I heard about Joe Harris was that they were considering another uh, surgery on his ankle, which has kept him out most of the season, but he seems optimistic that he can get back at some point. I mean, can you imagine a just a lineup with Kyrie, uh, Seth Curry and Joe Harris as two floor right. spacers, Durant yeah. at the four, and then Simmons kind of as your as your small ball option. If he was willing to yeah. embrace that role, it's Just Draymond like, basically. Like fuck Andre Drummond and and all that <laughs> shit for a second. Um, yeah, that's and, right. And, and you know they have other guys in the depth chart there too. Claxton will continue to play a role, but like um, just imagine those five guys on the floor. That's fairly terrifying, and and I yeah, think it should it should be terrifying for anyone, not just in the East. Yeah, I think the Nets. I think the Nets are scarier than the 76ers, Assuming the Nets have Kyrie for every game, if they don't, I think that that's a different story uh, as far as that team goes. Kyrie also kind of fell off so far in the games he's played so far. Hasn't yeah. exactly been the Kyrie that we're used to. Uh, so it depends on how well he plays going forward too. Uh, but yeah, I agree. That's a terrifying team, and I think that as far as the Suns goes, is right up there with the Bucks as the biggest threats to the Suns if the Suns make the NBA Finals. 
I don't really feel that way about the 76ers because James Harden hasn't quite been himself so far, but they clearly got better and they're still kind of scary. I feel like that team is, is the team that when I think about what they did, I feel like I just need to see it first. I, cause I yeah. just don't, I don't fully get it. I don't fully get it. Uh, how it's going to work. It does feel like another one of those times of Daryl Morey pairing two stars together that does not quite make sense, but he doesn't really <laughs> care because they're both stars and maybe he's right. Uh, but what, what's your initial thoughts on the 76ers before we move I on? I give here? Maury credit because people thought he couldn't do it and he did it. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy how fast it actually ta- finally coalesced when it did happen. I mean, we right, thought this was, we thought this was impossible until we were talking Tyrese Halliburton and buddy healed like two months ago for yeah. Ben Simmons and he got James Harden and he actually got James Harden. So now another it's going to end up being another career-defining move for him. And we'll find out in the next few months if it actually works or not. How do I feel about the fit? Yeah, I, I think the fit is spotty. But if they can figure it out, they might have the best uh, or the most talented top two duo in the entire NBA. Is that fair to say? Harden definitely hasn't been himself this year, but... Yeah, I mean, Embiid has been arguably the best player for the last few months. Right, like Embiid has been that good that you can say that now. Yeah. So then you add James Harden to that, and it's pretty terrifying. So that's an MVP and a former MVP. I'll put it this way. A potential MVP and a former MVP. To summarize, going into the trade deadline, I thought that the only teams that could really hang with the Suns in a series, like could possibly beat the Suns in a series, not that anyone would necessarily be a favorite over anyone else, but the only two teams who I thought could hang with the Suns in a final series, or or, sorry, just in a series in general, the Warriors and the Bucks. Coming out of this deadline... I I need to see a lot about the Nets to really believe it, but I think they are in that group. I just don't know how they I, defend I, the Suns, I, I which we could save for later. But I just don't know how they defend the Suns. Right. I'm I'm thinking purely about their highest highest potential that they have yet to attain. But also, even the Sixers. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel I feel so totally on the fence about the Sixers and the Heat because I think both of them are right there, but I'm not sure if they're in that group or not. Yeah. All right, we'll get back to that more later. We have time to see them play and really find out exactly. I don't even know Ben Simmons, right? He's technically he says he's out for like mental health issues, so <laughs> I imagine he'll be fine after the All Star break. All of a sudden, uh, once he's traded, so we'll see. <coughs> Excuse me, but let's talk about what happens next. The Suns still have to waive a player one, so that's going to happen. I guess soon, probably today. I imagine we'll find out today. Maybe people listening to this already know. And then there's the buyout market. I've sort of looked at the buyout market so far. My initial impression is this is the Suns roster and this is what the Suns roster is going to be. But what are your thoughts about the buyout market? I don't think they are seriously considering anyone on the buyout market at this point. That's just my intuition. They would have to waive another player. And yeah, I think the roster is the roster. James Jones and conviction. He's got a lot of it. (laughs) He makes his moves and he really, really believes in his moves and he does not want to undo them if he can avoid it. Yeah. So I think that's what's going on here. But now we wait. I I mean, there are guys, if we want names, Gary Harris is somebody that we uh, have brought up in in the past. Drew Eubanks was just waived. Not that that's an exciting name, but it's just another <laughs> example of a guy who's available to a team right now. Yeah. Uh, By I don't the way, think Terrence Ross is going anywhere. He tweeted about it, but 
we brought this up on the spaces, so it's worth saying here, this does not need to be something that's hammered out in the next couple of weeks. The deadline for a player, there is no deadline to pick up a player from the buyout market as long as they're on the roster before the playoffs. The deadline for a player to be waived so that they are eligible for the playoffs is March 1st. So any player waived before March 1st, the Suns could then sign to their playoff roster, but they don't have a roster spot, so they would need to waive someone else in that player's that's, place. That's, that's the main reason I should say yeah. that I don't think the Suns are going to do anything here. And the other, just a clarification before we end this one, Ish Wainwright could remain with the team for the rest of the regular season. He just won't be able to play in the playoffs right. because he's on a two-way. You don't have to waive him. There's no reason to. So hopefully they just keep him as a towel waiver for the playoffs and potentially the NBA Finals. There's no reason to kick him out. He just can't play assuming they don't convert him into a full rostered player. Uh, But that's all we got for now. I think if there's any other thoughts that you have about this specific trade deadline, I guess the last thing for me I'll say is so much for the idea of the play-in tournament actually making the trade deadline boring because a lot of shit happened. (laughs) And I think that was partially just because of James Harden and Ben Simmons forcing a lot of stuff to happen, but it definitely a lot of stuff happened. I mean, the Domas trade, which we we recorded a podcast and he hasn't even come up. We recorded a podcast three days ago where we said, Hey, how do you feel about Sabonis? Since people are asking about it, that entire thing happened. And then we didn't mention it once until now 40 minutes in. Oh, I guess I'm happy that we said that there's no chance he'll be on the Suns this season. Yeah. (laughs) And that ended up being the case. But yeah, we'll be back soon. I'm not sure when. For those who are wondering why you heard a different theme song at the beginning of this, this is normally a Patreon episode. We decided to record it and release it to everyone because the trade deadline was so big. If you're interested in extra content from us, including an extra podcast weekly, sign up at patreon.com slash the timeline. If you sign up before tonight, before the Bucks game, we'll be doing a Bucks game as a watch party on our playback channel. We appreciate you guys and we'll be back very soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.